0: The following program was pre recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control.
1: Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. (laughs) Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the Classroom, Save the Country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us. K-12 education is the playing field. And as the 16th president Abraham Lincoln succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I am Rebecca Hegstrom and I am co-host of Education America along with my co-host here today, Mark Durkin.
0: Hello again Rebecca.
1: Nice to have you with us by phone again this week, Mark. Thank you for joining us. Yep. Yeah. Well, critical race theory, 1619 Project, COVID mask and vaccine debates, gender identity, these issues and many more are dividing and pitting Americans against one another. And these divisions are especially present in K-12 schools in Minnesota and across the country. Whether we acknowledge it or not, our thoughts on these issues come from the specific worldview we each hold individually. Um, Can we have a worldview that is shaped by absolute truth? How would society benefit from such a worldview? Our guest tonight was back to answer how his organization is stepping up to combat the lies of a humanistic, godless worldview that has cast confusion and division across all sectors of American society, especially in the nation's K-12 classrooms.
0: And joining us in studio once again tonight to discuss his organization's work in promoting a biblical worldview in the education of American children is Josh Mulvihill. Mr. Mulvihill is the executive director of church and family ministry at Renew a Nation. It's a ministry that helps children develop a biblical worldview by equipping the church, the home, and the school. Mr. Mulvihill has also served as a pastor for 20 years, has a Ph.D. in family ministry from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He serves on the board of AWANA and is the author or editor of 10 books, including his latest book, 50 Things Every Child Needs to Know Before Leaving Home. Josh, thank you for joining us once again tonight on Education America. Thanks for
2: having me, and I'm very grateful for the work you guys are doing
1: yeah thank you thank you well you know, let oh go ahead mark um no, I was just gonna go ahead go ahead and
0: <laughs> as it, it's always a challenge, isn't it with yes. the phone and then the <laughs> yes. for the other person right <laughs> well we were talking josh last week about uh just some of the worldviews that have crept into the k through twelve schools. um I want to talk a little bit about. Tonight, just to start, uh, that post-secondary options as well. You know, it's colleges, universities, trade schools. You know, they're they're no better. In fact, share with our listeners how these environments are even more aggressively anti-Christian.
2: Our oldest is in tenth grade this year, and so we have begun looking at colleges for him. And woo, it is <laughs> it is a uh, it's a challenging world to be sending a student into. Um, K twelve provides. Um, the main blows to students and colleges provide the knockout. They are effectively the, um, the secular seminaries of our day, and they are catechizing our young people in uh, secularistic thinking and churning them out. Um, And uh, critical race theory is the latest uh, example of that, uh, but we could, we could uh, list many. And just here in the state of Minnesota, uh, we don't have to look very far or very hard to see um, even some of our beloved uh, institutions that have been historically conservative and historically strong are even now beginning to waver and falter yeah. with some of these uh, ideologies that are that they're adopting. Yeah, Yeah.
0: one of them that that, uh, comes to mind, of course, most recently, University of Northwestern and St. Paul, uh, with some of their adaptations to critical race theory. Um, You know, last week, too, Josh, we discussed uh, the variety of worldviews that people believe to interpret the world that they live in. And, you know, this week, let's talk about the organization, uh, the solution that you're a part of that is pushing back against these humanistic and godless worldviews. What is the purpose and the vision of Renew a Nation?
2: We exist to help children develop a biblical worldview, and we do that through three primary avenues, the church, home, and the school. Um, And simply when we say worldview, we want to shape the beliefs of children so that they live in a way that honors the Lord and serves the Lord wherever he would have them as adults. Um, I love what Paul says to Timothy uh, at 2 Timothy 3. That he that he, he's equipped for every good work, and uh, and so we want to send out, um, we want to send out business people and um, yep. work, you know, stay-at-home moms and um, and future civic leaders and every you know every kind of arena that we can think of. If they have a biblical worldview, they're going to come in, and bring that with them, and um, and and will transform their world in those areas. And so. Um, so we're really very passionate about using any and all means possible to help children achieve this, and we know that those three that I just mentioned really are the are the key primary ones uh the church, the home, and the school. so we work in all of those arenas um uh, and we could you know explore any of them that you want, but they all look a little different but are all critical in that in that mission mm-hmm.
1: I talk frequently of that three legged stool at our school as well, the church, the family, and the home and or the sorry, the school, the family and the church. And, you know, when you think about it as a three legged stool, if you take one of those legs and pull it in a different direction, eventually that school or that stool is going to tip. And I think it's an important visual for people to remember because it's easy to justify continuing down a certain path because oh the kids have friends, you don't want to take them away from their friends or they're great athletes. You don't want to take them away from their sports. Um, But what really is the most important thing? And I I think we have to, as parents, honestly assess that and then make proper decisions based on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I have very strong feelings about this next question, but why do you feel now is the time to get kids out of the public schools? I agree with you, but I'd like to hear your reasons.
2: I I Look back to Scripture, and if the Bible is silent on education, then I think individuals have freedom of choice, mm-hmm. and um, it would be a Christian liberty. Uh, and I believe many Christians think that the Bible's silent on it. I could tell you some very well-known Christian um, leaders that say that and think, you know, God doesn't have an opinion— Um, But if the Bible does have an opinion, God does have an opinion on education, then that sets our trajectory for us. It's just not a matter of choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bible doesn't say much about education using that word, Um, actually doesn't use that word at all. Um, but it says a ton about education when we come to the Bible on its terms, which is words like teach and instruct, and mm-hmm. um, may we get wisdom. Uh, there's think. There's tons mm-hmm. uh, of of words, and they're used hundreds of times. They provide a very robust. Um, picture for us of what God wants for education. He tells us what to teach kids, how to teach kids, why to teach kids. Um, And so I believe we, first and foremost, have a biblical mandate from God to educate our young people in a certain way. And so if you'd say, Josh, what is is education? Summarize that for us scripturally. And in one word, I'll tell you, it's discipleship. Mm -hmm. Uh, It shapes, it forms, it is no different than the church has— separated education from discipleship to its detriment. And as the church handed that over to the government, which it does not belong to the government, God created three institutions. He created government, he created family, and he created church. And where does education fit there? In Scripture, it does not, it is not the role of the government. It is first and foremost the family, which can partner with Christian schools like Liberty Mm -hmm. and others, uh, and it has a supportive function um, from the church to equip families. The church has abdicated that role. I say this as a former pastor. uh, The church doesn't speak about education often because they don't want to offend families. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, families then don't get the guidance on what does the Bible say and are therefore left to kind of— Find their own path, and many are faltering as a result. Mm-hmm. So, part of the responsibility lies with the church. Part of it lies with the family, and we've all handed it away. And the government now is running with it. In our, um, and our, you know, now it's now we're seeing education become something that many of us don't like, mm-hmm. and it's hard to take that back now.
1: Mm-hmm. What would you yep. say to a parent that would say to you, well, we want our child to be salt and light in the public schools? I think that's a very common theme that you hear amongst parents and then also pastors.
2: I think the intentions are good. I think the theology is poor. And uh, don't hear that as an indictment, but um, I think the salt and light at this point in life is the parent, and uh, it's not the child. I think the... The metaphor, the image that comes to mind is Psalm 127, where uh, children are an arrow in the quiver of the parent. Essentially, they are in preparatory stage. They're getting put in the bow. They're getting ready to be released as a weapon Mm. for the Lord to do damage to darkness. But Mm. they're in the quiver. They are—the parent is the warrior. And amazingly, the child in that image is— is the weapon that's to be fired. Um, They will be standing in that place of the parent at one point down the road, but that's in the future. And so I think we've put children in a role that I, I just don't see that scripturally. Of course we see evangelism. We see, uh, missions, as the heartbeat of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is that is what I see in Scripture for a, a mature, it is for a parent, it is for a different uh, person, not, not the young, undeveloped, immature child.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great sure. answer. Yeah. And uh, the training piece, they need the training, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. so important.
0: Josh, we talked a little bit last week on the development of children and how they form concepts of proof? What are the main influencers in files? And, you know, what will be the positive outcomes for children who develop a biblical world as a result of the nation's impact?
2: Primary influences. Uh, George Barna did an interesting study where he asked, it was like 600 teenagers, what the primary influence was in their life. And not surprising, uh, the number one influence was parents. It doesn't shock anybody. Um, number two, I think, is where it gets kind of fun to see. To see Number two, it was grandparents. Was it? Yeah. Really? Number That's two nice. was grandparents. Number three was educators. Mm-hmm. Number four was peers. And number five was the church. And as I looked at that... Um, I, I think the the main driver of that simply was time. Who has the most time with a young person over the course of their life? And of course, parents and grandparents are often very present uh, over the course of their life. Educators have so much time, um, you know, not only in a year, but um, children spend 16-ish, sixteen ish sixteen thousand-ish hours in a school classroom throughout their K-12 years, um, and then peers, of course, in the church. That doesn't minimize the church, but it just is a reality that we have about the least time with children as anybody. And today, the average child attends an evangelical church 1.5 times a month. That's it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the church is trying to make up all this ground, and it's having a hard time doing that. Uh, And so what that says is, Man, the family is critical. If mom and dad are not doing what God's called them to do in the home, uh, it's really difficult to make that up. Even with a phenomenal Christian school, even with a phenomenal church, it is really difficult when mom and dad aren't doing what God's called them to. And so, uh, you know, for those of us that are in ministry, in the church world, in the school world, that's priority one. Let's help mom and dad do it right, do it well at home. Um, number two is we need grandma and grandpa to get in the game. A lot of them are sitting on the sidelines. Uh, a lot of them are, have bought in the cultural ideas of uh, we're going to spoil our grandkids and we're going to have fun. And again, that's not God's uh, call for them. They're disciple makers uh, to support the family. And we've got many of us have grandparents that are ready to engage in the worldview development of our our kids. We, they just need to be invited and the door opened. And then, of course. Uh, education and the church come in. They're they're almost parallel partners in similar kinds of ways um, that are operating and both critical in the influencing of the next generation.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If
2: I may in, uh, just
0: interject sure. there on that point, Josh, what do we do in the event, you know, we talk about grandparents playing a very important role. Uh, what happens then if, if there's a set of grandparents or both set of grandparents that are not believers? Is it just magnify that much more the importance of how the children are being uh, discipled and raised by the parents?
2: In that case, uh, boundaries get put in place and, you know, grandparents are told this is what we value and we would love for you to participate and reinforce this. Um, My kids, their two grandmothers died um, before most of them were ever born. And so they actually have some surrogate grandmothers through our church. One of them in particular, uh, they call Miss Nancy, and she's been God's gift to our, our family um, she's really filled a void in our home that uh, has been caused by death. And um, should God give a, a gift like that, um, you know those those exist in the church world, in the church family, um, and uh, and I think God brings those kinds of gifts into our lives sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a great question, Mark. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, So Josh, Renew a Nation is active in various Christian education divisions. Explain for our listeners how the organization is expanding and supporting biblical worldview education in Christian school startups, revitalization, and homeschool support.
2: For Christian school startups, we probably get about a call a week from somewhere across the country to say, we want to start a school. How do we do it? We've had no clue. So we have a... Uh, we've kind of uh, uh, defined down into six steps on how to do that with limited funds. So we've got a team that helps launch schools. So if that's something, uh, excuse me, you're interested in, especially with COVID, you want to launch a micro school or a traditional school, um, we can we can help with that. Uh, for homeschool support, of course, it's exploding right now. Uh, in the last couple of years. Um, I'm a homeschool dad. We've been homeschooling our kids uh, since kindergarten. Our oldest is in 10th grade, so we're a decade in, and suddenly we became experts in uh, education uh, when we were often not viewed as that. Uh, But we have a ton of uh, helps from coaches that we make available, from uh, curriculum to um, thinking through homeschool philosophy, because there's a lot out there and it's confusing for a lot of people. So essentially, we want to come along and help connect you to the right groups in an area. And in Minnesota, um, there are some fantastic, fantastic support helps that are available. Uh, You mentioned revitalization. We rebuild struggling Christian schools from the ground up. We come in for over a three-year period, and we literally rebuild them from the inside Mm, out. That's great. Um, So we work with boards. We work um, with—these are often schools that have lost their way scripturally— um and there's a lot of uh, a lot of schools in this category, and so we're I think we're working with thirty right now across the country and uh, want to see them healthy and doing uh, discipleship as a primary piece with strong academic rigor as well
0: mm-hmm. yeah let's let's focus a little bit here, Josh you know, you're talking about you know the different uh, school um school philosophy systems that you're involved in helping uh, reshape or get started. Let's look at uh, Christian school or homeschool. What advice can you give uh, to persons that are listening about their wanting to start uh, one of those schools? How how do they get started?
2: I would love for everyone that's listening to choose some form of Christian education. Uh, I think the Titanic is sinking. So I would love to throw you a Christian education lifeboat. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it It has to be this philosophy or this approach. And I think there are, you know, different paths that are good for different families and maybe sometimes even different children in Mm -hmm. the same family. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that comes from just knowing what your kids need. I will say, parents, you're the expert of your child. You know them better than anyone else. Um, And each brings a different um, value that is present. Um, So... Uh, homeschool for us has been fantastic. It has allowed us a great customizability at an affordable cost. Uh, my brother runs uh, Legacy Christian Academy, and so most of my nephews and nieces are there, and that has been wonderful for them for both the structure, the community, for a lot of various reasons, um, And so we've even been blessed in our extended family from both of those. uh, But we've pushed pretty hard even in our extended family. It needs to be Christian education in some form. Get your kids out of the public schools. Uh, My dad uh, has even helped fund some of that education um, because he values that as well. And so if you're a grandparent Mm -hmm. listening, Mm -hmm. um, you may have the financial means because that's one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of families is they would love to do it, but they can't afford it. So... Um, if you have the means to do that, I'd say, bless a family member or a friend with that.
1: Yes, and we have several yep. grandparents that help out at our school um, at Liberty, but also that's one of the reasons why we are pursuing uh, educational choice in Minnesota, parental choice, so that this isn't such a barrier. But I would uh, I just want to piggyback on what you just said there, Josh. I would say that most people are stunned to know how um, generous, private Christian schools are, they don't want finances to be the barrier to families attending. So sure. even if you think you're in that category where, you know, I won't receive any aid or they I won't be able to get enough, I have too many kids, I would encourage you to still contact a Christian school around you and you might be surprised and let God open those doors for you. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, let's talk a little bit about your online school that Ren- Renew a Nation is operating.
2: This was our COVID baby. Uh, Mm -hmm. Last year, we um, saw the need for an alive online school, Christian school, that is very strong scripturally, biblical worldview, but also has strong academics. And so... Uh, we decided in June that we were going to do this and launched it in the fall. A couple oh my months goodness. Late, it that was, is fast. <laughs> it, was, it was painful. Uh, we started with 100 students and we're growing from there. Um, the piece, though, one of the drivers was not only strong worldview education, Christian worldview education, um, but affordability, as you just mentioned, was mm-hmm. a piece of that. And so we worked very hard to raise uh, money to... Um, to help provide scholarships. So God blessed us with about a million dollars of scholarships wow. that we provide to anybody coming out of the public school arena that we'll pay 75% of your first year, which means tuition for one student coming out of public school for the whole year is 800 bucks for a family. And wow. um, so it's wow. it's college um, version, meaning Tuesday, Thursday, uh, Monday, Wednesday kinds of classes and K-12. So Fantastic. We hope God blows that up. That's not right for obviously for every family, but it's one more of those lifeboats that, mm-hmm. with a traditional homeschool uh, or online, could be something worth considering. So families mm-hmm. can take a single class or a whole year. Mm-hmm.
0: Good. We've spent a lot of time, Josh, uh, talking, uh, you know, tonight and and last time as well about how uh, Christian worldview education—it's the responsibility of the parents. You know, God's word tells us that parents are to train their children in the way they go, and when they grow older, they will not depart from it. Uh, You did touch a little bit, too, on the fact that the education of children is the responsibility also of pastors and churches coming alongside and needing to be involved. You know, again, if you could reiterate, why do pastors need to get behind this issue, and how much would you say over the last 20 years has the interest grown from pastors in emphasizing Christian education?
2: uh pastors need to get behind it cuz it's God's mandate to them as well. If they if they're serious about discipleship, they have to be serious about who is feeding the, their congregation and protecting their congregation from wolves, not just on Sunday morning, but that extends to the entire week. And so it is it's it's a very broken up thinking to think that it doesn't extend into what's happening into the classrooms. And so um, you know we're losing we're losing a generation. We've lost We've many lost. generations. <laughs> yeah. yep. If we're if we are if we're honest about what how is the church really doing with children and youth? How are we? You know, let's open up the hood. Uh, dropout statistics are through the roof. Kids walking away from the faith. You you know we we see. Uh, 60 to 80 percent is kind of the mm-hmm. typical statistics. Uh, what we're doing is not working. And I think the education piece, it's its not one thing, but it, that's one part of that answer. And so churches historically have seen education as a priority with discipleship, and we need to get back to that.
1: Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and the second part of that question, um, are you seeing especially with the last year with COVID and critical race theory becoming so concerning for parents, are you seeing pastors show a renewed interest in Christian education?
2: We are. It is never easier than right now to make the case for Christian yeah, education. Uh, I had my church where I was a pastor, Grace Church of Eden Prairie, actually uh, sent a an elder to have lunch with me and said, Josh, you're not a lot allowed to talk about education as a pastor. It's too divisive for our congregation. That was how long ago? Uh, that was about a decade ago. A little, okay. Yeah, yeah um, sad. I had one of the pastors recently said to me, I think we're going to need to address education with our church that uh, was on the other side of that coin. That's that Grace mm-hmm. Church of Eden Prairie. We're still there as a family, even though I'm not on staff. That kind of change is pretty significant, and it's indicative of what I see happening across the country. I had a call with the pastor yesterday from Ohio that said, we have to do something about mm-hmm. education. We don't know what, uh, but help us think through this. So if you're, okay. a ch- if you're a church and you're saying, yeah, we need to do something, we don't know, um, we would love to work with you and help you, whether it's opening your doors to a homeschool group, whether it's launching a traditional school, whether it is creating a micro school. I mean, there's tons of options. And mm-hmm. so you need to you know, you support the local schools that are in your community. Offer a Christian ed fair. I mean, there's so many different things that churches mm-hmm, can do.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. I'm so glad to hear that there's been some resurgence of interest. That's great. Um, so quickly here at the end, in terms of immediate goals, what is the next step that Renew a Nation seeks to work toward by the end of the decade?
2: Well, we have a very big vision of reaching one million children and helping oh, them develop fantastic. a biblical worldview uh, a more rigorous biblical worldview. And so, um, you know, it, we have a camp in um, Tennessee that we use for training teachers and pastors. And we hope that that really gets developed so that we, because those are the influence makers. Mm-hmm. So we want to influence the influencers who's mm-hmm. teaching our kids, parents, grandparents, pastors, educators. So we've just started what we call the REAP program, which is a, an, an educator training program. We're launching this fall a pastor's training event, and if we can begin to build into these key individuals, we can see that uh, grow exponentially. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's been a while t- for us to get to this point. Uh, we hope to develop a lot more resources. So you've uh, mentioned a few of the books, uh, Mark, that I've written. Uh, and th- Those yeah. kinds of things begin to shape thinking, and um, God's... Uh, God's positioned us well we want to be good stewards of that uh, but we don't have a small vision and we uh, you know we, um, we hope God uses us in whatever way is helpful.
1: yeah that's great
0: great Josh uh, just to, in uh, closing here, what's the best way for families that are interested in pursuing a biblical worldview what's the best way for them to connect with your organization?
2: RenewAnation.org, and there's contact uh, opportunities through there. You can contact me as well. I'm, I live in the Twin Cities, uh, J. Mulvihill, M U L V I H I L L, at renewanation.org. Uh, I'd be happy, since I'm local, I'd be happy to connect with you by phone or in other ways and uh, do anything we can to help. Mm
0: hmm.
1: Wonderful. So good to have you on these last couple of weeks, Josh. And we're so thankful that your organization is well-established and able to help at this time of crisis, really In our nation's schools. And so, for our listeners, we hope that you will listen to this podcast, spread it around, go to our website, Save the com, and you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And again, if you would like to have more information on Christian education, go to RenewAnation.org. RenewAnation.org, right? That's correct. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Mark. Thank you.